Welcome to the SDA Housing Podcast, brought to you by NDIS Property Australia. Before starting this episode, we need to provide a general disclaimer. Information contained in this podcast is general in nature only. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular person. You need to consider your financial situation and needs before making any decisions based on the information in this podcast. And you should consider seeking independent and professional advice for your personal circumstances. All right, let's begin. Hello everybody, my name is Debbie and I'm your host for today from NDIS Property Australia here in Brisbane and you're listening to the SDA Housing Podcast, a show that explains, highlights, guides and brings awareness to all things SDA in this ever-changing NDIS world. Today I'm joined by my co-host Grace and we are going to talk about building or buying your own SDA as a participant. Okay, so Grace, um, yeah, tell us about why somebody would want to build their own SDA home as a participant? Well, what we're doing today is just, you know, uh, working out a guide for people who already have SDA funding. Um, And we have got quite a few people calling us and saying that they would love to own their own home. So what they do is they use their subsidy or or the SDA funding together with a deposit which they would have probably got from the family or um, they might have been working and they might have saved up some money um, and and work towards owning their own property which is a great you know which, which is a very very nice uh, thing to do however um, one of the main issues that they have been faced with is the funding so if you've got x number of dollars you still need to go to the bank and borrow money and what we're finding or they're finding is that the banks, there's only very few banks would actually lend money. Hmm. Yeah. So, But there, there is a process um, with, with doing this and maybe it's good to, to talk about um, where somebody would start as a participant um, either with SDA funding or, or maybe going through the process of getting SDA funding um, and, and how they would then progress to the point where they're able to look at buying or building their own SDA home. So I guess we um, look at firstly if um, the funding, would it be enough for loan repayments? Most of the funding would be, especially if you're a HPS or FA, um, we have found that majority of them would have enough funding. Uh, It's really more about the deposit because banks normally would like to take at least a 20% deposit. So if you don't have 20%, your funding alone is normally not enough to get you started. So what would a, an average property cost? Well, depending on where the, the property is uh, and, and what property they're buying, whether they're buying an apartment or whether they're buying a house, it could range from you know half a million dollars to a million and a half. And really, it's it comes down to what sort of accommodation they're looking for. And that, I guess, um, leads into what sort of SDA funding they have or are expecting to be approved for. That's correct, yes. So whatever funding they have, we can always, uh, they can always talk to the bank. Um, one of the banks that we know uh, are doing 
uh, SDA funding is a bank called the Bank of Australia. Um, but they do expect a 20% deposit and their funding is only for 80%. Mm-hmm. And so that's the only bank that we know of. Are there any other the uh, non-bank lenders that might look at this? Yes, there are more non-bank lenders. Uh, there's Granite and uh, we work with a company called Equity Fund uh, who you know we've sent uh, participants to before and they have helped them out. So... I've only recently sent uh, another participant over to them and the consensus was, yes, we will be able to help him. So we'll look into it a little bit further and see whether, you know, every, all, the, all the figures stack up. Fantastic. So um, let's go back to the SDA funding level that you as a participant might have. Just to, just to go over, if, if you haven't actually gone through this process yet, um, what the NDIS would... Um, come back to you to, based on all the different paperwork that you fill out, the reports of your um, various medical um, practitioners, your plan manager, everything that goes into helping you get the funding, the NDIS are going to come back and say, okay, we approve you for this level of funding with these, um, I guess, inclusions, if you like, and it's going to be for either an apartment, a house, a villa, a duplex, it might be for improved livability, robust, fully accessible or high physical support level. Um, you might be funded to have on-site overnight assistance. If you are robust, you might be funded also to have a breakout room. Um, the location factor also comes into things because they're going to also tell you where you can live based on what you have requested in your SDA that's right. That's right. Request. So when you put in your application, uh, NDIA will assess your suitability for the category that you have requested for. And uh, obviously the process itself, as I think everybody knows, uh, is quite an onerous process. And uh, it's only after, you know, they've worked out what your, uh, what, what sort of funding you can uh, can get, then I guess that's the way that you would sort of move forward and see how much money there is and, mm. and, 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 you know, what, what you can afford. And that's I think that's not, not any different to most people, but it's just that you got two steps. Whereas, you know, the average person would just go straight to the bank. You would have to wait for your funding, um, approval and then go to the bank and see the bank. Yeah. And the other aspects that the NDIS would, would, um, tell you that are included in your funding level would be the number of bedrooms that they're going to pay for and the number of residents, whether you get funding to live on your own or whether you are funded to live with one or two other participants in a share property. Well, that is more if you're renting. I think when you're buying a house, it's more on your individual funding based on, I guess, it's based on the category that you're in mm. And then you can make a decision from there. But however, most people would be, you know, when they're buying their house, they naturally, they want to live with their family. They don't really want to live with other people. That's true. But I guess that's something to consider that if you get funding from the NDIS for SDA and it is for living with other people, then that might complicate the issue if you wanted to own your own home. That's correct, Or it might just mean that you, your payments from your SDA funding level is lower than it it might otherwise be if you were funded to live on your own. So those are all um, 
considerations. Considerations, that, yes. And and the thing is, if you if you built a house to put, you know, to house other people, which means that you could be the landlord, mm-hmm. and I don't know, that could be a bit more complicated. It again. would be very complicated. <laughs> we so don't want to go. Into I don't think we much. want to go into that kind of detail. Um, basically, what we we're, we're here to do is to see. You know, if we can help you mitigate a little bit of confusion as to where you need to go and how you need to approach um, the whole system if you would like to own your own property. Okay, so I guess the process um, from start to finish, as, as you touched on, would be to get the right SDA funding in your plan. So if you want to live in an apartment on your own, you're going to have to request that and hopefully you will get that without too much um, stress and complication from the NDIS. That's uh, correct. Once you've got that, then you would either have to look at either saving a deposit or hopefully you'd have a deposit, as Grace already mentioned. Uh, maybe you've saved the money yourself from working. Maybe you have family that are able to contribute that deposit. And then you need to organise the loan. Then what would happen? And then you need to register yourself um, if you would like to be an S- uh, SDA provider for your property or you would use an external person. So you don't have to be an SDA provider, you can do it yourself or you can use another. That's correct. If right. you if you, if you you were um, you know, to do it yourself, it, there is a complex uh, paperwork that you have to fill out, um, which, you know, we, we, we don't have the capacity here to, um, to sort of... Uh, tell you more about that but you would have to do your own research on that but a, a easier way is to engage with a established SDA provider and they will be able to look after the property for yeah, you. Yeah from what I understand being an SDA provider involves a lot of uh, compliance and audits and it's quite expensive and at the end of the day I guess if you are your own SDA provider you're saving paying those fees to another organization who's doing it for you but they'd be probably what Five to ten thousand dollars annually. That's right. It's, it's not a lot of money, and it definitely is a lot of uh, becomes a bit more hassle free, not having to go through the compliance and the audit each year. Sure, but if you did want to be your own provider, uh, some people have um, mentioned to us that is that a conflict of interest uh, where the NDIS don't want. Um, like SIL providers and the SDA providers working in a property to be the same organisation. But um, I believe that in this circumstance, it's not a conflict of interest. It's been specifically stated by the NDIS That's right. It's not a conflict of interest. You can, you you know, definitely manage your own SDA provider. Um, Another question that we often get is, you know, I'm in a home, uh, can I renovate? And, uh, well... There's nothing to say that you can't, but the renovation process uh, is quite difficult because you really have to build a minimum refurbishment uh, standard. And at the moment now, they're looking at around $400,000 for a two-resident HPS house with with an OOA. So that is a minimum spend for you to renovate. Which is it's exorbitant and, and really, in almost all cases, not feasible at all. Not no feasible point. You're much all. better off to build new. That's right. And, and the thing is, one of the things that you have to realise that if you build something, it doesn't mean that it's what you want. It has to, to meet up with the SDA code. So if it's not compliant with the code, then 
that then you will not get your funding. The, the property, the won't, property be yeah, won't, won't be assessed as an SDA home and therefore your funding would not be uh, approved if you're going into that home. Yeah, and the assessment takes two stages, I believe. They they do an initial assessment at the design stage to to ensure that the design of the property meets all the SDA requirements. That, that is correct, Debbie. And then they do another one at the end once it's been built just exactly. to make sure that they've built it all. To, to the standards as well. That's right. And, and at the end of the day, you will get a compliance certificate to see that the house is compliant to the SDA standards. And if it's not, then there'll be a lot of trouble. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it, it is not a simple process. And then in some cases or in some states, some of the houses would need to have uh, fire sprinklers put in as well. Mm-hmm. So again, another cost um, when it comes to, to building, to it. building because as well. fire sprinklers are not cheap. No, no. I think in a house it's about twenty or thirty thousand dollars. However, having said that, if you do have spy- fire sprinklers installed, then the NDIS actually pay a small premium in addition to the SDA payments. Yes, they do. Yeah, that. that's exactly so right. So at the end of the day, it's going to balance. well, you get a bit of money back yeah. for that. Yeah, but you know, I guess if it's your house, you may want to put that in because it's safety. Safety, exactly. It gives you that you know peace of mind that your house uh, would be looked after if there happens to be a fire. Yeah. So, so yeah, so you've built your home. Um, you've got to enrol it, as we said, as an SDA once it's it's been deemed and assessed compliant. Then you can move in. How do you actually then go about actually getting those payments from the NDIS? I think um, you would need to put an application to them, fill up more paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> Which the SDA provider would do. Yeah, we'll do it for you. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So it, it, it can, if, if you did it yourself, I believe there must be some channels that you need to go through to put that all in. Yeah. Otherwise, the SDA provider that you engage as your provider to look after your property they look after all of that for you so they they receive that income from the ndis the sda payments they take their cut and the rest of it comes straight to you which will then go to paying off your mortgage exactly and the sda payments on new built sda homes are paid for 20 years yeah 20 years which is a good long time uh, from enrollment with the ndis but only while someone with SDA funding in the NDIS plan is living in their home. Hmm. So if, if you happen to build a home and then at some point in time where you can no longer live in that home for whatever reason, then your funding is going to be different again. Yeah, so yeah, that is certainly a consideration. But if you uh, build it to, I guess, high standards, you might want to build a high physical support rated home. Uh, even if you only have fully accessible funding, for example, because down the track you don't know in ten years' time, you might uh, you might find that your your situation you degenerate and you would then be approved for higher level funding for the high physical support funding, and your house would already be um, eligible to receive those payments. So that's also something to think of, to future-proof your own home. That's right. And the thing is, if you don't live in that home, and if it is 100% compliant, you can still rent it out, I think. Of course. You yeah. know, as uh, You're the owner. You're the owner, so you could actually rent out to other participants and uh, collect income. Yeah. So, which is still not a bad idea. <laughs> it's not a bad idea at all. Yeah. 
So, yeah, um, all in all, I think, you know, there is merit in building your own home because everybody would love to own their home. Yeah. And it's just a, the thing is um, it does have a few more processes than normal. Um, make sure that you get a reputable builder mm. um, to build your home for you. And I think that's the main thing. Yeah. And I guess, well, you know, obviously we... We know a number of builders around Australia these days, so uh, we can always point you in the right direction there. But uh, I guess, yeah, starting off, you really need to make sure that you've got that deposit together. That is, without that, it's not going to happen. So, um, mm. yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, look, so I mean, we, we, we've got builders in quite a few states at the moment now. I think we're built, working with a builder in South Australia um, we've got a builder in Perth as well, in WA, to do some building there. We do. And uh, we will have some builders coming through in uh, New South Wales and Victoria. We do. So these are guys who will be able to, um, you know, assess your land. Um, and, and they are all SDA-approved builders, so they know exactly what needs to go on the block and the house. Um and, uh, yeah, they, they'll be happy to help you out. So if there's anything, just give the office a call and, you know, and we can put you on to them. Absolutely. So um, any last words? I think that's about covers the basics of, of what you need to consider if you are an NDIS participant with SDA funding or looking at getting SDA funding and, um, and you want to own your own home. So, yes, it can be done. And talk to us. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Grace. Thank you, Debbie. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure you are subscribed and following us so you can keep in the loop with all of our upcoming episodes. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a written review, and to share this podcast with those that could benefit. Until next time, catch you on the next episode.